Hello, exceptional people. You are now listening to Change Today, a new-ish podcast about how we can better today's society. I'm your creator and co-host, Miriam Antone. And I'm co-host, Molly Quatrusi. And today we're going to be talking about everything Biden has done so far. But before we do that, I have to rant, and Molly's going to have to sit there and listen to me. (laughs) So, this is actually our mid-season finale. So we're going to post this, take a few weeks off, and then the season will come back and finish off to the end of the summer. However, this was a surprise for both of us, because (laughs) this was not the episode planned for today. No. In fact, the episode planned for today had two special guests. And we were so excited to post it because if it did well, we were planning on doing another mini series with those special guests. However, that episode has been deleted and is gone off the face of the planet, is unusable, irretrievable, and just just gone. It's gone. It's very upsetting. It happened very suddenly. So now we're filming this episode in real time. You'll probably hear it maybe like a few days after we've recorded it. And that other episode will have to be redone if we can magically find the time to work around three people's schedules who live in very different places. It should be easy enough. (laughs) Yeah. It should be simple. Um, I agree. I'm really excited that this happened. I I just I could not be happier. It's exactly like when I opened my computer. It's exactly what I want to see. It's yeah, a file right. That is no longer usable and has been disturbed. Makes me so happy. Yeah, I love when that happens. Kind of like when I tried to open the podcast logistics for this episode and thought we were going to have more technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or yeah. how we are back to recording on Zoom and not using our equipment. Love exactly. That. Yep. yep. Or when on I Zoom. had to um, end our meeting to restart my computer because my AirPods wouldn't connect. Another really fun time. Right. Of course. Ugh, we love when this happens. Yeah. Obviously, um, we're just, you know, we're we getting to manifest right. good things before we start this episode so it doesn't go horribly. Right. Let's manifest. Right. Here we go. This episode is going to be so good. It's going to be so easy to edit, and there's not going to be any problems with any of the audio. Nope. And nobody's going to stutter, and we're all going to speak very clearly. Yep. I'm not going to say um, like, right, at all. We're not going to have any anxiety going into this, because it has been almost two months since we've recorded anything. And we have spent probably a few hours planning this episode (laughs) as opposed to an entire week. Right. Right. It's not like I was writing my religion paper before this or anything. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. It's not like I work 40 hours a week. No. Right. No, that's not what's going on. No. Working (laughs) full time and taking a summer course. What? Absolutely not the vibe. No. <laughs> All right. But that's fine, because that's not what's happening. Right, exactly. We're just making yeah. that up. That's the hypothetical yes. situation. Exactly. All right. <laughs> and with that, let's get right into it. 
Like Marion said before, the topic we will be discussing today is what Biden has done so far in his first hundred days. So we're gonna go somewhat in order of what we think is most successful to least successful. And we are going to go past the 100 days just because right now it's been about 175 days. And there is a lot of good, but there is plenty of bad. So I think like one of the most interesting things about prepping for this episode is to see how many of the promises like Biden has actually like accomplished. But then it made me like reevaluate how many things that either weren't promised or weren't really like high on his list of goals that should have been like when I was kind of doing the rankings number one was very expected in my opinion but going like getting to the end and seeing what was I don't want to say disregarded because that's not fully true but what got the least amount of attention was very disheartening so we're going to start off with what how we feel or um, what we feel Biden was most successful at, and that was COVID. Obviously, COVID was unexpected and the first time any U.S. president had, had ever had to deal or, you know, would have been Trump's first time um, or any U.S. president having to deal with such extenuating circumstances. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we... We all we know we lived it like every every day was a surprise, especially for the first bit of it. And I think now that, you know, vaccination rates are high and people can go outside without masks and we're kind of returning to what our new normal is. It's like different to look back and think, oh, but we had to do this and we had to do that. And like Biden had to reverse this because Trump did this. Right. But when you do that, you're like, oh, wow, a lot of things could have gone horribly wrong. Right. No, it's so crazy to think about because even a year ago, we were still in mostly a lockdown because it had mm-hmm. some restrictions had been lifted, but we were not anywhere near where we should have been to lift those restrictions, I feel, because mm-hmm. things were open, but the va- infection rate was still going up a lot and the like death rate was still going up a lot. So it was just it was such a weird time. Yeah, I remember, so July, I think I was still, like, that was when we were still, like, in parking lots with our friends, all sitting yeah. in separate cars, but looking at each other, mm-hmm. you know, like, that was, like, that's how long ago that was. Right. Which is crazy to think about, like, I remember parking at my old high school with my friends, like, and sitting in a circle far away from each other, all with our own food that we brought, like, sitting in beach chairs talking. Right, that's like crazy to look back on and think that we had to do things like that (laughs) (sighs) okay which also makes you think of like what how many things could have gone differently had trump not been the president at that time right it does so biden made a goal to reach a 70 percent vaccination rate by july 4th which for us is tomorrow but for you guys it's probably a few days past so we are about 67% vaccinated. So we're definitely not going to reach the 70. But I feel like we're close enough where I can call that a success. Yeah. And considering how much work has been done since when did the vaccines drop? Like March, they were like actively out. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, from March to July, 
perhaps 67% of the country vaccinated, especially when it wasn't even open to people under the age of 12 until very recently. I think that's pretty impressive. I think so, too. And Biden has managed to reverse a lot of Trump's COVID legislation and has created a lot of his own, which um, includes rejoining the World Health Organization. He did assemble um, a COVID task force. He established the distribution plan for the vaccines and he created guidelines for reopening schools, as well as um, the stimulus checks, which ended up including you know, dependents and college students and all of that, which was very mm-hmm. beneficial to people our age. Definitely. In his first 100 days alone, he made 15 executive decisions regarding COVID. And I mean, when I say 15, I mean specifically regarding COVID. There were other decisions like regarding the economy that were done with COVID as a catalyst. So we say 15, but that number is technically higher if you consider how many like interconnected things that we had to deal with in times of COVID. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the rest of our ranking, we're just going to hit you with what we think was the least successful. And personally, I found two that I thought were equally, should be equally considered failures on his part. Um, and that is refugees and racial equality or equity. So Biden had four main goals. They were the pandemic, the related economic crisis, the need for racial justice, and the threats and realities of climate change. So one of his main goals was racial justice. And to see that it's one of his failures is so disheartening. And I don't want to say that we have seen no change. I mean, right now we have the most gun control that we've probably ever had in the country but saying that is almost worse than not saying it because admitting that right now we have the most gun control is like admitting that we have done almost nothing and still have accomplished so much like nothing on the ground has really changed if we think about it in terms of gun control you got rid of a couple of loopholes and you added a a liability or whatever But, like, what have we done? So it's, like, almost annoying to say, oh, like, this is the best we've ever, this is the best we're doing. Like, it's the best the country's ever done. And that is, like, below the bare minimum. Right. He also said that he wanted to do a police oversight commission. That hasn't happened. Something I wanted to add about the police oversight commission is... I saw that he has increased his, like, policing budget. Compared I to, saw that, too. Compared to Obama, Bush, and Trump. I don't remember if mm-hmm. it went back to Bill Clinton, but his is higher than all three of theirs was. So. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense for one of your goals is racial equity. Right, and justice. yeah. On his first day, well, he promised that on his first day as president that he would send a bill to Congress about gun liability. After his first 100 days, he had still not managed to do that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And for what? I'm just confused. (laughs) 
during his first 100 days and even up until now, he made speech after speech and promise after promise about how we have to have change and how he's on the side of Black Lives Matter, how he's all for, you know, these social, uh, these, you know, warriors on these protesters and all the and young people that are striving for change. And yet no meaningful change has occurred. No. If anything, it's gone backwards on his promises. Some of it. Yeah. Some of it's like, I I think that what Joe Biden is, is he's very good at speaking. He says all the right things. And then he'll subtly pass a bill that is co- completely contradicts those nice things that he says. He's a politician. Yeah. What would you and expect? And he's great at being a politician. He is very good at it. Yeah. I think one of the easiest ways to actually see how true this is is looking at Juneteenth mm-hmm. and being like, oh, it's a federal holiday. Like, yay, we've accomplished so much. But everybody on social media was so mad because... We're just going to throw away critical race theory, but we're going to celebrate the fact that we have this holiday. It's exactly what politicians do. It's so arbitrary. Like, you think, oh, here we have this holiday. It's designated to freeing slaves, like actually freeing slaves. But you're literally not allowed to learn about it. Yeah, you're not A, you're not allowed to learn about it, and B, look at the incarceration rate. Mm. Just... (laughs) I know. What are, yeah. what are we celebrating? Let's it's, not let's not pretend that slavery's gone. Hello. Yeah. That's it's, funny because we talk about this in our prison industrial complex episode, which will be coming up in the second half. And yeah, like what? Yeah. What are we celebrating here? Exactly. It's a holiday. It was just a day off for everyone. A day off so you could hang out and do whatever you want. It had no real meaning. Yeah. It's the irony of it all. I think a move like this would have been great if we were in a place as a society where we could accept that we are racist yeah. and like start moving away from being racist. Right. But it's... right now, it literally means nothing. If we were living, I don't want to say like post-racial society because I don't think that's ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. But if we were living in a place where this, where race wasn't as big of a problem as it is then maybe this would have meant something i feel like the most i want to say ironic part of this is in the last year i feel like we've seen more people speaking out about racial injustices in america especially after george floyd but at the same time i've seen more people speaking out Mm. saying the opposite being in denial being trying to poke holes in it and find a way to say that they're not racist or find a way to call people who are trying to be anti-racist racist. It's like, I don't even know how to explain their thinking, but they, if you are on social media, you mm-hmm. will see, you'll know exactly it's, what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, I understand. About. It's like crazy how blatant some yeah. of the racism is because we've gone so long with being covertly racist and letting people that are covertly racist slide by and now that like people in our generation just will not accept that people have just given up the facade they're just absolutely like no and they're absolutely willing to be overtly racist again yeah like I know people who proudly post in support of banning critical race theory like people 
who I know in my daily life. It's just, it's crazy to me. All right. So the second thing we said was also a failure on Biden's part was refugees. And this is a lot of things. And also this one is very ironic to me because immigration wise, he's done like pretty okay for being in office for less than a year, like less than 200 days. Like I'm, I'm like impressed with the change that I've seen. Not, not saying that like our immigration system is magically fixed and it's beautiful and it's amazing and it's what it should be. It's absolutely not. But to see refugees be this no. far down <laughs> is really upsetting. So starting off with the border. So the Biden administration went to every length possible to avoid calling the border and what's going on at the border a crisis and also tried their absolute hardest to hide pictures of detention centers at the borders and it wasn't until a democratic rep from texas released them that like they were like out and it's things like that that make you be like well why is this on your list didn't he try to rename detention centers didn't he try to say it was schools or something? That did happen, but I don't remember and, if that was him. Oh, no. What I was thinking of is he opened new facilities, but he called them, instead of calling them the cages and stuff, he was trying to say that they're nicer oh. facilities in better okay. conditions. That's what it was. So to disguise the fact that he opened more cages, he was yep. calling them. Makes yeah, sense. that happened. Um, the next thing that Biden actually promised to do was change the 15,000 refugee camp that Trump created to um, a higher one of 62,000. And he really tried to avoid doing this for a long time. I think it was, mm-hmm. it was definitely past 100 days, I'm pretty sure. But um, I want to say it was like maybe April that they ended up changing it to um, 62,500. But even that is very low. Like, Egypt, which is literally in the Middle East and significantly smaller than us, is taking in, like, I think, 150,000. Like, yeah. Wow. A lot of countries, a lot of other yeah. countries are taking in significantly more then they have significantly less than the U.S. So I think, like, 62,000 right. is all another, like, very symbolic win. It's like, yeah, this is a lot higher than 15. That's because 15 was yeah. completely, like, idiotic. Like, I don't even... Unacceptable. Like, unacceptable. there aren't even words for yeah. 15,000 refugees. Like, do you even know how many refugees there are in the world? Right. The number of displaced, forcibly displaced people is 80 million, and there's over 26 million refugees. And Trump was like, we're going to let in 15,000. Yay, America. And then Biden was like, that's bad. We're going to let in 62,000, but only after my party begged me to do it and practically forced me. Wow. Right. Because didn't, didn't he say he was going to give a number by May? Like, he left it so vague. The number 62,000, I think he put out originally, like, when he was campaigning. Or it was put out by the party okay. or, like, someone on the administration team. 
And then when he didn't do it within like like during his hundred days, like before they were up, his like mm-hmm. Democratic Party like was pushing him to do it, and his mission was pushing him to do it. And then he started facing like backlash from his party and like from the public. So then he was forced to do it. I think it was like April or May that that happened. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. really like we literally had to force you to do it, so, and it's only sixty two thousand. Yeah, and it's not. Exactly, it's not even that many. So you've said 26 million refugees and then 80 million just completely, dis- entirely, forcibly displaced. Yeah. So let me do some quick math. I'll just do it out of the 28 million. That is 0.22% of them are allowed into the country. That's not even, not even half of one, not even a, not even a quarter of one percent. Let me see what country lets in the most refugees. Turkey lets in the most refugees. With 1.59 million refugees. Wow. Turkey. Followed by Pakistan, Lebanon, Iran, Ethiopia, and then Jordan. According to the UNHCR. Isn't that ironic? Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. These are literally countries that also put out refugees at significant rates, and they mm-hmm. still manage to accept more than us. Honestly, let's look back at our pictures in episode. This is why. Countries that are patriotic, overly patriotic, yep. don't like letting in refugees because they hate the idea of changing their national image. Exactly. It's so... It's all related. You can't even... I just can't even believe people still deny these things. Or just ignore them, because it's just... And those people that say we have to fix our own problems before we let other people in. Maybe you should start doing that, then. Yeah. Yeah, clearly one of our problems is racial equity, but it's also at the bottom of our list. Yeah. But, yeah, get COVID out of control so we can get back into the workforce, right? On top of barely pushing up the cap to 62,000 after being forced to... Biden has managed to bomb Syria and Iraq in his 200 days in office. In fact, I think it only took, like, less than 100 days to bomb them, right? I remember texting you when it happened. We were definitely in school. Yeah. Yeah, I remember... I think we talked about it in one of our little segments oh, I think, we did. Yeah, I think, I think it we was that, about it. Yeah, I think it was that recent. That's crazy. Yeah. it Because it was that recent, mm-hmm. us going back. It was... It was, It did not take long at all. Can't can't really win much out here. <laughs> yeah. No. And lastly, I this could also fit under like foreign relations, but I decided to put it under refugees. Mm-hmm. Not pretty. I think to me this makes sense. Maybe it doesn't like in general, but either way, Biden um, still actively backs Israel and is more concerned for the safety of the Israeli people. And has, like, yep. went on record saying he, this. Like, those exact words. Saying, my commitment to Israel yes. has not changed. We still back Israel. We still pray for their safety. Blah, blah, blah. And gave them a large mm. amount of money. Yeah. Very recently. Considering yeah. that, you know, they're actively committing genocide. And creating a whole new yeah. list of refugees and forcibly displaced people. Okay. Commitment to 
racial justice commitment to whatever he's saying. This is just, uh, I think, the biggest example of how that that's just not And I think, I don't here. remember if it was the same speech or, like, around the same time, but he literally goes on to say, oh, we want rights for Israels and, Palest- and Palestinians. Mm-hmm. We want these people to both have what they deserve. But in the same speech, yeah. you're going to praise Israel? Really? That's that's what we're going to do? Right. If you want them to have the same rights, please stop funding their military force so much. I just don't get it. And you know what? Like, I find, okay, this we're going to talk about in a different episode, but I just want to do a little snippet here. What I find so annoying, people refuse to call it what it is when it comes to Israel. They refuse to be like, you're doing bad things. Your your government is bad. You're, you know, because they're like, no, this is, this is Judaism. Like, you can't, you can't do this to Jewish people. But you absolutely can wipe out Palestinians, keeping in mind that you view them only as being Arabs and Muslim. Viewing all of Palestine as being a part of Hamas, but then being like, no, 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 we can't say anything about about Israel because they're because Judaism. Tell me how that ma- so so you we can just discard right. Muslim people or Jewish people that live in Palestine or Christian right. people that live in Palestine because we created an identity that right. says Arab is bad and Jewish is good. First of all, these countries aren't religions; they're countries. Israel isn't even a country. Right. Mm-mm. So I'm just confused as to as to why we've decided that one is better than the other if we've equated both of them to right. one set identity. Exactly. It's so frustrating because we're not criticizing Israel because of Jewish people. And I feel like that's how people think. Yeah, they think it's like anti-Semitic to be like, bad, you're doing a bad job, Israel. It's not. Israel is doing a horrible yeah. thing. No, it's, Israel is literally cleansing Palestine of their, all their ethnicity and all their... It's genocide. It, we're actively watching genocide and our president is out here saying, oh, I care about the safety of people and, I, and my commitment to Israel has not changed. Exactly. He's funding mass genocide, but that's okay. It's okay because... Yeah. Yeah. It's okay because it we have uh, yeah. decided that Jewish people yeah. that are not in our country deserve to be treated better than people that are Arab. Exactly. That's exactly what it says. Thank you, Biden. Thank you, America. <laughs> Round of yeah, applause for so the USA. Proud. Before we, um, you know, go down another wormhole, let's move on. So yeah. we covered Biden's yeah. biggest success, which we have identified as being COVID, and we've covered his failures, which we've identified as being refugees and racial equity. Now let's get on to all the middle parts. So I would say all of these are pretty interchangeable, but I've decided that economy comes next, and then foreign policy and national security, after that immigration, and after that environment. So starting off with economy... Trump's Mm -hmm. biggest economic goal was to reverse Trump's tax cuts from 2017. And while he wasn't able to do it during his first 100 days, he did release a plan at the end of April 
outlining um, the raising tax cuts for the wealthy. And he plans on ending multiple, much older loopholes that exist that also grant benefits to the wealthy. And this supposedly will raise $700 billion in 10 years. So personally, I think not getting it done in the first 100 days isn't the biggest deal in the world, especially with how complicated and how deep like it cuts when it comes to these to the tax cuts and the creation of them. Um, and getting rid of the much older loopholes instead of just doing a simple reverse, I think is definitely a plus on his end. So in that case, I would definitely call that a win. Right, definitely. So something else in the economy that he did was that he revoked policies from the Trump administration that blocked funding for cities that supported Black Lives Matter protests, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing because you shouldn't be able to deny a city its funding because they want to support human rights. Yeah, you know, just... But, again, you know, just the basics. But, again, we know that his stance on these racial inequalities is kind of questionable. So, like, yay that, but also you have to take it with a grain of salt a little bit. So, Biden extended the pause on student loan payments and interest for Americans with federal student loans until at least September 30th, which is a good thing, but he also is not as committed to his student loan forgiveness. He has pushed that off at one point saying that he was just going to completely drop it. It was something Mm -hmm. that he ran on, like it was a big promise in his campaign, and it's become probably yeah unlikely and to i know i saw this on i think it was instagram that a group of kids um like our age created the executive order for him and all that all that was left to do was sign it to forgive student loan debt or a certain amount so basically just being like we did the work just sign if you actually care about students and obviously it wasn't signed. This was like pretty recent, but obviously nothing happened. But that also just goes to show. I know that he did cancel interest, but canceling yeah. interest versus canceling a loan or, or some it's fraction a- of a loan are not even comparable. Right. Because I know if I look at my student loan terms that I've accepted, the first thing like, when I go to repay it, like, say Mm -hmm. I were to pay it right now, it would go to random fees that they've put on it in the time that I accepted it till now or till I graduate. Then it would go to interest. And then, finally, it would go to the principal value. So... Which is still racking up interest as you are paying. Yeah. Exactly. So canceling interest is, like... Okay, thank you, but... I still got that um, uh, multiple thousand dollars that my school forced me to pay in order to have any kind of a future. Exactly. All right. Yeah, love that. So that's exciting. Moving on to um, ne- <laughs> our next section, which is foreign policy and national security. So Biden imposed sanctions and diplomatic expulsions on Russia for their interference in the 2020 election and the solar wind cyber attack. He formally named the Russian Foreign Intelligence Agency as the force behind SolarWinds and blocked U.S. financial institutions from trading in Russian bonds. So next on the list (laughs) is immigration, which 
honestly, like like I said earlier, the list of the list of things that he wanted to get done and like put out, he got a lot of them done. It's just all of them were again like very minor things that are incredibly helpful and needed to get done, but in the grand scheme of things is not nearly enough to have this be like very high on the list. Right. So one thing that he did do was he revoked the Trump era proclamation that limited legal immigration during the COVID-19 pandemic, Mm -hmm. which is obviously helpful because it was allowing people into the country. He fortified DACA after Trump tried to undo the protections for undocumented people and He reversed the Trump administration's restrictions on U.S. entry for passport holders from seven Muslim-majority countries. I think one of the most impressive things that he's done is that he introduced legislation that, like, gives a pathway to citizenship for immigrants who were brought here illegally as children, which is... Something that DACA had never had the ability to do before. And this wasn't done, like, through DACA. It's a completely different pathway. But it's a huge step. And it's a really, really important one. You know, obviously giving... So DACA will give these kids, you know, the ability to go to school and actually get federal funding and get a license and have a job, right? And all of these are, are great things. But it doesn't make them citizens. And now that they have the chance to be citizens... Because they were brought here, obviously, against their will as children. Right? Like, they have, they don't, it's not their choice to, right. to just, you know, wake up one day and, like, come here. So now that they actually have the, you know, the chance to be right. citizens, this is a huge step. It's, like, a really great thing. Definitely. That is really helpful. He has also signed an executive order that um, is establishing a, ta- a task force that focuses on reuniting children and parents that were separated at the border. So while he has done... I don't want to say he's done the damage, but while he's contributed to the damage that is being caused at the border, there are some things that he is doing to actively work against the horrible treatment that immigrants face at the border. Right. He also halted construction at the border wall and terminated the national emergency declaration that was being used to fund it. So Mm -hmm. that's also a good thing. And finally, environment. Now, it already came as a shock to most Democrats that climate change was going to be one of the big four things that Biden wanted to work on, because when we look at COVID and the economically related issues, those are two things that were so relevant during his campaign. And then we look at racial justice. And again, that was something that was so relevant during his campaign because he's living in the wake of George Floyd and he's or he's campaigning in the wake of George Floyd. Climate change is always one of those things that will be relevant and is relevant, but in comparison to those three other goals and to other things that he could have chosen, people were surprised, which makes sense. And while he's done a lot, again, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the things that he's done are more symbolic than like actual mm-hmm. change. So he did achieve his goal of creating the Climate World Summit, which I th- which is, I mean, impressive, but let's see, like, what that summit will actually do for climate change, right? Other things he's done for the environment include... He canceled the Keystone Pipeline from being built, which is a huge thing, because that wasn't even... Wasn't that on Native American land, mm-hmm. That's too? like That's why there were so many it. protests when it was announced. Yeah. Right, exactly. And also, it would just be entirely damaging to 
yeah. the planet, obviously. It would to ruin natural resources. Mm-hmm. We don't need another pipeline. So he also rejoined the Paris Climate Accord, which, which Trump had left on behalf of the U.S. So that's a good thing, because at least it's kind of like mm-hmm. we're back in it, and we're going to try and work with these other countries to do better. But like you said, it's all kind of symbolic and not really any aggressive direct action. A reversal is sometimes it feels very, very easy to like praise a reversal of something because you're like, oh, like this is great. But to me, a reversal is like the easy way out. You should do it. Like you should reverse it. But to me, like praising a reversal is like praising a guy who like doesn't rape you. You know, it's like it's like I'm not going to praise you for doing what you should be doing as as president. It's, like, I feel like it's, like, if you broke something, like, you broke, say you broke, like, your Mm. mom's vase or something, and then you replaced it and got a new one. That's, like, what it's like. It's, like, yeah, you should have done that. Yeah. Because that's the right thing to do. That's, like, what is expected of you, so you should do it. Like, creating, um, um, you also, like, it's expected of you to create new policies and, like, do a good job. But to me, a reversal is just, like, the absolute easiest thing. Yeah. Exactly. It would have been great if he, yes, rejoined the Paris Climate Accord, but also passed some legislation on, like, Exxon or something, trying to limit their carbon emissions. That would would have been even better. It's like, like, the reversal on the tax cut, I think that's a big deal, because that's complicated, and he added to it, and it's going to create, like, a lot of benefits for for citizens of the U.S. in the future. I think that's different. But being like, yes, I'm rejoining right. this thing that I was already a part of but left for a couple of years and now I'm back. Yay, hooray, celebrate me. No. Especially if it's one of your big four and like one of your biggest accomplishments in your big four is rejoining the thing that you're supposed to be a part of already. I'm like, yay, thank you for doing the right thing. That's it. That's all you get. You don't get. It's like you don't deserve mm-hmm. a round of applause for that. Because you're still letting a lot of the big corporations who are contributing to this problem yeah. contribute. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we know why. We know but... you're benefiting, and uh, you don't you don't want to stop that. But um. Yeah. <laughs> but, but please, but please we're, the the Gulf of Mexico was literally on fire a few days ago. P- please. Yeah, it's in the, it's in the ocean. It's the literal the ocean water on is on fire. But thank you for rejoining. The Paris Climate Accord. Walla Walla, Washington was 116 degrees the other day, but Good job. Great. Thank you. Good. I really appreciate yeah. that. I'm glad it's one of yeah. your big four. You're doing big things. That was awesome. All right. I'll wrap it up, Molly Q. So here are some of the sources we used for today's episode. So we don't really have many specific articles this week just because you can... Kind of just look these things up and find them from these websites. So I'll just tell you, we used NPR, CNN, The Hill. We got information straight from the Biden administration where you can find it and Politico. A lot of these um, websites have done like lists of every executive order that um, Biden has done in his first 100 days that, that you can look at. Otherwise, these are sources that typically we trust. Maybe CNN is a little questionable at times, but... NPR, The Hill, things that are coming right. straight from the Biden administration, like, or um, is it like Washington.org? 
or things that are coming straight from the capital are pretty trustful. Right, and yeah. Politico is actually a fact-checking like system. So everything they post is fact-checked because a lot of other sites right. are fact-checked by specifically Politico, as well as politicians on Twitter. So um, that's also why we just are recommending them like that, because if you go on any of their sites and look up information, more than likely you're getting the honest truth without spin on without it. Without bu- too much bias from one side or the other. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope you'll join us next week. Um, so even though we started out this episode a little bit rocky, I think it ends up going pretty well. So thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you have learned something. You are an amazing person. You are doing absolutely phenomenal. And don't forget that there's always hope for change today.